0: Welcome to the Family Worship Companion, supplementing your personal reading of Scripture with a Christ-centered emphasis and real-life application for every member of the family. Is there such a thing as just war? In Genesis chapter 14, where we are today, we have a war between four kings and five. This is an era, not so much of nations like we have today, but city-states. And in the midst of this battle, we find that Lot is taken captive. We learn that Abram recovers Lot, and then, later in the chapter, his interaction with the king of Sodom, and his meeting with an unusual character by the name of Melchizedek. So let's dive deeper. So in verses 1 through 4, we learn that the prophecy made by Noah concerning Canaan has come to pass. They have become a servant of servants. And so over that region and over that peoples, we find a man by the name of Kedali Omar, king of Elam, who has them under tribute, which boys and girls just means that they are being forced to pay a certain amount, uh, however so often, that would keep them at peace and allow them a measure of independence. Well, we learn that after 12 years, they stop paying tribute. And they await the response so from verse 5 Kedeleomar begins his response against the rebels and moving into the area and in verses 8 9 and 10 we see the five kings that are standing together endeavoring to hold their ground so that they can defend themselves and make a resistance against the oncoming forces well there's little resistance verse 10 finds them fleeing for their lives And in the midst of Kedileomer's victory, Lot and his family are taken captive. So from verse 13, we learn that someone comes to notify Abram. And so Abram musters all his household servants, 318 in total, and they gather themselves up to go and pursue to not only conquer Kedileomer, but to recover Lot, which he does, and they do successfully. We don't know how large the armies were that Abram goes up against, but he appears, rather than come face to face against them, to use the cover of darkness and the element of surprise to come against them. They, he, he pursues for miles. In fact, if you look at a map, you see there are many, many miles, upwards of over 100 miles or so they're going to pursue and to ultimately defeat Kedili Omar and to recover Lot, which is the objective. So on his return journey, Abram is met with two kings. One is the king of Sodom, a man that fled for his life, previously when he was coming up against the enemy, and the other is the king of Salem, a man by the name of Melchizedek. On the first hand, Abram's not all that interested in what the king of Sodom has to offer. But on the other hand, with Melchizedek, we find him paying tithes and showing tremendous honor to him as a king and priest of Salem. But a question that often arises is, who is this Melchizedek? Is he a real historical person or is he a Christophany? Is it just an appearance of one that is really a pre-incarnate revelation of the Son of God? Well, I believe him to be a historical person, but his name does come up in Psalm 110 and in the book of Hebrews. And the reason that his name appears is because the argument is giving justification for a priesthood outside of the Levites. The Jews held tenaciously that this is the true priesthood. The Levites were appointed by God. And when Jesus Christ comes of the tribe of Judah, the argument is he can't be priest of this new covenant community. But the argument is, yes, he can, because he's a priest after the order of Melchizedek. Just like Melchizedek was not of the tribe of Levi, God uses king priests to stand on his behalf and represent him. And so he points to the Lord Jesus Christ and gives credibility to his priesthood. Now, there are a number of ways in which Melchizedek points to Christ. For one, he is a king priest. This is unusual to find both of these offices represented in the one person. But here we have it, as well as in Christ. Two, he is also the king of righteousness. That's what his name means, king of righteousness. And our Lord Jesus is that Jehovah said, "Can you, the Lord, our righteousness, through whom we obtain righteousness before God?" And then also we see him as the King of Salem. Salem is a, is a form of the word peace, shalom. Salem, and probably is representative of the city that will later be known as Jerusalem. And so he is king of that area. But Salem means peace, and so Christ, the Prince of Peace, you see, reflected here. In melchizedek so we come to application and we return to the question asked is there such a thing as just war well james tells us the reason for war there is war in this world but the reason for it is lusts and pride that warn our members but at the same time while that exists there also is just war the initial war would appear to have been driven by greed abram's response to it of course is driven by duty and justice. His warfare is honored by God. Secondly, we should note that Abram clearly shows no resentment toward Lot. He could have responded upon the news, well, serves him right. He chose to go in the direction of Sodom. He made his choice, and now he has to live with the consequences. No, no, the the man who (laughs) did everything in his power to avoid an argument with Lot is now prepared to lay everything on the line to recover Lot. This is tremendous. Tremendous in terms of looking at a brother and not wanting to fight with him and then seeing a real enemy and real danger and being prepared to lay down your life for it. I mean, Abram really here reflects the spirit of our Lord Jesus Christ, a brother born for adversity. Our Lord Jesus comes to, to lay down his life for his people, and Abram goes into battle and into warfare in order to recover his nephew Lot, one that he had good reason to believe knew God. This is the attitude I think that we need to learn from. Instead of just disregarding, we don't win them all. We're not going to win everyone who wants to go away from us or every fallen brother. We're not going to be able to pick them up ourselves. We're not going to have 100% success. But let us learn from Abram in his zeal to try and recover a fallen brother that would honour the Lord. Thirdly, I don't want to dwell too long on this, but it is often said that tithing is part of the old covenant. But here you see Abram paying tithes before there's an Israel. And so the the principle seems to be, may I say, more creational than it is of the old covenant. I'm not going to get into whether we pay tithes now or whatever, but just, just understanding that having a certain allotted amount that we dedicate to god first is is good practice and is something we should instruct our children in early in their life fourthly i can't help but see something of the spirit of demas in lot his yearning to be in sodom his involvement with sodom and seemingly having this longing having loved this present world is what it says of demas on the flip side abram's completely different when the king of Sodom comes and offers him the, the spoilers of war, Abram is like, I don't want anything to do with it. I'm not interested. I only want what God blesses me with. I'm not interested in your favor or the favor of any worldly person. It's a completely different mentality, and it shows us how careful we must be because in the church we have those that are like Demas who are, maybe argue, not saved at all, and then you have those that are like Lot, who have a spirit of demons, though they are converted, but they are influenced by the same attitude. And then we have those like Abram that are trying to stay away from all the tarnishing and negative influences of the world. In which, in which category do you fall? May we be found with Abram. Fifthly and finally, let me ask you children, have you met with the king of righteousness? Melchizedek was called that, but the true king of righteousness, the most significant king of righteousness is of course the Lord Jesus. Have you met with him? Because boys and girls, this is the wonderful thing. When you meet with Jesus and you trust in Jesus, even though we still struggle to do the right thing, what Jesus does is he clothes us in his own righteousness so that We don't have to doubt whether God loves us today. We know he loves us because we are clothed in this righteousness provided by Jesus. So have you met with the king of righteousness? Have you turned to him and trusted in him? And do you wear this robe of righteousness today that makes you acceptable before God?